0: So we're going into Genesis chapter 11 today. Uh, Of course, I can't go into chapter 11 without a review, but uh, it'll be a brief review, I, I hope. We sometimes think that the days we're in today are unique, but they're not. The world has seen this many, many times before, but nothing quite as dramatic as what happened at Babel. And just to to bring you back to chapter 10, and I know that's a frustratingly difficult chapter to sit through. uh, It's interesting to teach through. I I, I found it very interesting to research, but uh, I I think it's probably pretty tough on you as we go through uh, this. But I just want to remind you that Ham's sons were listed as Cush, Mitzrayim, Put, and Canaan. Now, our focus is going to be on Cush's son. So we begin, I'm just just as review, because I know you don't remember all these names. Well, some of you are better than I, than I am at that. Uh, Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. The word means strong. It means powerful, an overcomer. Uh, he began to be a mighty one in the earth. There's no great uh, prophetic significance in that word. He was a mighty hunter, a powerful hunter before the Lord. And uh, there's no agreement about what that means. I I know that Chuck Missler is fond of saying he was a man killer. Uh, But Jamison Fawcett Brown say that he got his first reputation hunting wild animals, and that's what first brought him to fame. The truth is, I don't think we know. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter, before the Lord. Uh, so Nimrod. This is Jameson Fawcett Brown. Uh, I, oh, oh, I wanted to mention too. That when you see. he Nimrod the mighty hunter. Before the Lord. The word before. Should be translated in defiance of. In the face of the Lord. Or you, The word opposition should not be there. But it, it means. In opposition to the Lord. He was like that. Little kid when you said go clean up your room, stands up defiantly right in your face and says no. So that's Nimrod. His name literally means rebel. Uh, so Jameson Fawcett Brown says Nimrod is mentioned here as eclipsing all his family in renown. So of all his family in renown, now you recall the whole Hamitic line turned their back on God back when his father was disobedient to his grandfather. So this is a long line of anti-God, our God. I mean, they had gods, but just not our God, the one true God, and anti-God peoples, and Nimrod was just one of them, but he actually outdid all the others. Think of Alexander the Great. Think of Hitler. Uh, Think of Stalin. Think of Chairman Mao. He outdid all the others in their ungodliness, you know. Let me click this thing. And the beginning of his kingdom was at Babel. We're still in Genesis 10. We haven't moved on. And Eric and Akkad and Caneth and the land of Shinar. In the land of Shinar. And I thought it would be worth looking that up. It, you can see the red circled land of Shinar. You can see the blue circle above it where you can read Assyria pretty well. I don't know. Can you read the smaller print? Oh, yeah, you can see the little towns. You see Eric down at the bottom, that's that red dot, you know, Akkad is uh, just above Babylon. You can see where present-day Baghdad is. Up above that is Assyria. Assyria was settled by Shem's son, but taken over by Nimrod. So out of that land went forth Asher. Now you read that and you think, oh no, there's something about that. Uh, If you look in the... The margins of your, if you have a King James Bible, if you look in the margins, it'll say Nimrod went forth into Assyria. If, if you, uh, do I have it here? I do have it here somewhere. I know I typed it. I remember typing it. Yeah, here it is. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till we get there. I'll wait till we get there. Uh, if you look at different translations, they're saying that Nimrod went into Assyria. Assyria is is where Shem's son started a city which would become the empire of Assyria, named after him. Uh, that is, he pushed his conquest from the land of Shinar, if you can picture that red circle, north into Shem's territory. Uh, from that land, the New King, New King James Version reads, from that land, from Shinar, he went into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, and Calah. This, these were towns that were designed to drive out Shem's people. This was his first major invasion of somebody else's territory. Um, so we'll move on. And the whole earth was of one language. This, we're now in Genesis chapter 11. And the whole earth was of one language and one speech. Literally, it translates one lip and one set of words. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And I, I'm going to do it again. I should have, probably should have put that map in there. I'm going to back up to that map. Now, if you look, can you see it? Yeah, you can see it pretty good. Uh, there's Erech. See it up at the very tippy top? And here's Babylon. This is, this is the area that uh, Ham went into. If you look at that, It's hardly east. Uh, It's actually barely uh, east of south. It said they came out of that. So there's a lot, there there are people that speculate that when you talk about the ark settling or resting in Ararat, they're talking about this whole mountain train here. And the ark could be anywhere along that mountain train, the Ararat mountain train. And if, if they settled over in this area of the world, it would have been coming out of the east. But then what? when you read it, they came from the east. You know that prepositions are really tough in, in languages, especially when you're talking, what, 6,000 years ago? So in, with, by, or to. Like, oh, did they come out of, into, from, to? Anyway, if you read the King James Version, it says it came from the east. If you read read the New International Version, you'll see it says they migrated eastward. If you read the New Living Translation, which all the hip churches are reading nowadays, I don't know why, but it says to the east. They came to the east. Uh, So in that case, it puts Babylon or Babel, the town that he developed, that puts it east of where the boat landed. And, of course, you know, as I know, we don't know where the ark landed. We have speculation. we got people say they've seen it. They've seen it at Ararat. There's people that have been up there in 100 years ago that said they've walked through the ark. Nobody believes. Well, I can't say nobody, but there are a lot of people that say they don't believe that. I believe it's up there somewhere. I believe some people have seen it, but I think God's kept it inaccessible for specific reasons. Okay, the point, the point that we find in the verse 2 verses is that they all spoke one language. I, I can get sidetracked there and, and where the ark landed, but they all spoke one language. They had one set of words, and, and uh, we're pretty sure uh, that that language was Hebrew. And We're pretty sure that because the pre-flood names that were given find proper definition in Hebrew. So it's it's probable that the Semitic language of Hebrew was the original language before the flood, at least a significant language before the flood. It's assumed that they all spoke Hebrew, and God came down and confounded it after that. And they said, uh, let's see, what did I do here? Am I at the right spot? No. And the whole earth was, let's get up there. And they said one to another, this is the people of Nimrod. They said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime, had they for mortar. Now, if you go to that region, Fawcett Brown says there's no stone in that area, but there's plenty of clay. So you can actually find archaeological evidence of the truth of this scripture based on the building materials that are actually in current use today, but are also the same materials that are used in antiquity. And what's interesting about this, to me anyway, is that uh, they didn't have mortar. They didn't have limestone that they made cement with. What they had was oil. What a surprise. They had, it says here, slime. What they're calling slime is what we call asphalt. They had yucky oil that could be cooked off into a process that would act as mortar. And you'll find even to this day that still in existence, buildings are still in existence in that part of the world that are done that way, which also speaks to the truth of the scriptures. The next verse now, this 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 is to the best of their ability what's left of the tower. Alright, let me move forward and then I'll come back to it. This is what they think it used to look like. Uh, so you can see it's, uh, it's had a tough life, uh, 6,000 years of sand blowing all over. It. And, and but this is the actual tower uh, that they think was the Tower of Babel. And they said, go to now, let us build a city whose tower, whose top may reach into heaven. There are those that believe the purpose of that was astrological worship. They created a, a thing that we call the Zodiac. And they they began to attribute powers to the stars. Now, prior to the flood, the the Jews had a thing called the Maseroth. And and that was the story of the gospel written in the stars. And we'll go into that someday, but not today. What they did is they took the the Hebrew Maseroth and they they perverted it into a form of star worship. Uh, And this tower, they speculate, was uh, it says reach into the heavens? It just means a very high tower. It doesn't mean they're going to try to ascend to God. They weren't that stupid. Unless we be scattered abroad. Now you notice that phrase, lest we be scattered abroad," upon the face of the whole earth. And you know the whole purpose of this kingdom, the whole purpose of doing this is to defy God. You know, you ever hear of a country that would go out of its way? to create situations and laws where they could openly defy God, then you have what started at Babel happening. And we have it right here in our world today. As our world gathers around against God and passes laws and designs things that will make it impossible for gospel-worshipping Christians to survive, you know. So that's that's what they speculate it looked like at one time. And that little tiny thing <laughs> sticking up in the top is all that's left when you look at that stone. Uh, but this is a man-made structure. This is not an unusual geog- geologic structure. Um, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. And they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. You know, the whole purpose of this was to defy God. And now God is saying, I know that the imagination of every heart of man is evil continually. He said that in Genesis 8 and verse 21. imagine a world with mass communication where there's no barriers between communication and imagine that world intent on defying the clear will of the one true god now the problem is that there's no evil that will be restrained we have reached that point in our culture that they were at we've gotten to a point where with the internet we're able to communicate in all languages and and have those translated for us you can You can look at a thing in Facebook written in Arabic and just hit translate, and it'll translate it to whatever language you want it to translate to. But that that barrier at Babel has now been removed. And now we had had a a one-world government back then, a single entity. Now we have an entire world intent on defying God. Here is a world that openly hates the God of Noah and Shem taking pleasure in every evil work. They are, if you will, if you're familiar with Romans chapter 1, they are at the end of Romans chapter 1, and they're the first world civilization, the first world empire after the flood. And the Lord said, uh, go to, let us go down. Uh, I I remember reading a a commentator, a lost commentator, that said, see, that, that shows that there are multiple gods. You know, see, that that shows that, you know, the Greeks were right. Let us go down. I don't think so. I think that shows God the Father talking to God the Son and God the Holy Spirit is what I think. That's a conversation within the Trinity. But there are many people who say, no, no, this proves a multiplicity of God's. But I don't buy that. Let us go down and, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. You know, by doing this, God defeated their purpose. And we don't really know all that he did. I, I do know that if I'm in a foreign country and I'm listening to people speak, I can't understand a single word that they're speaking. True, if they're speaking French or Italian... German, I'm lost on that, but I might be able to pick up a few words, French or Italian or Spanish. I was a great D student in Spanish in high school, so every now and then I'll hear a word, but you get me into a group of Vietnamese or Cambodians or Chinese when they're talking, I'm thinking, ain't working. (laughs) Whatever you're saying is not working in my head, and that's what happened. They, they, They had this great plan, but they lost the ability to talk to one another, and yet I don't know if Dr. Skinner is correct or not, but Dr. Skinner believes that, that the races were changed at that point as well, and they had no desire to work out their inability to speak. I know Dr. Morris believes that the genetic abnormalities that make us all different from one another, the skin tone, he believes was built right in from the family of Noah, that that whole genetic structure was built right in. I don't know. Interestingly enough, we don't know where races came from. If it's not the Tower of Babel, race came from Noah and his three sons. But if it's the Tower of Babel, or if race came from the three sons of Noah, there's a message in that, and that is we're all one. We all have one grandfather. Noah is the grandfather of us all. We're all brothers and sisters, not just in Christ as believers. We're genetically and biologically brothers and sisters of one another. And it's it's a shame that we make such differences between us. It really is. And they left off to build the city. That's where I was, right? Therefore, the name of it is called Babel. Now, the word Babel means gate of God. But the word babble has come to mean confusion. And we talk about someone, man, speak clearly, you're just babbling. Or if you were a Greek and you were talking about someone that spoke a language other than your language of Greek, you would say, there's a barbarian. And you think, when I think of barbarians, I think of cartoons and I think of movies, you know, but the Greeks didn't mean that. What they meant was when they said, there's a barbarian, what they meant was when I listened to him speak, it sounds like a dog barking, bar, bar, bar. And that's where they got the word barbarian from. Uh, So the the idea was it was an unintelligible language. Uh, Well, the problem is you would think it would be settled here. You know, God drove them off. Mankind began to spread out. They found regions of the world where they were more comfortable. Some moved north. They were out of the sun. Some moved south. They were in the sun. Some moved east. They liked where they were at, and as they spread out, we looked at that in the Table of Nations last week, as they spread out across the world, they took on different characteristics of their culture, and yet every one of those cultures that spread out from Babel retained a little bit of their memory of the one true God, of the flood experience, of of the worship of all the different gods that they got involved in in Babylon and spread that, not only the true history, but the poisoned and perverted history all around the world. Uh, So when you get to the end of the book, that's Revelation chapter 17, you find a reference to Babylon. And it says, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And you discover that every false religion in our world today can trace its roots back to Babylon, back to the Tower of Babel. So it wasn't just the Zodiac. It wasn't just the worship of Nimrod, who had declared himself to be God. It wasn't just the worship of his, his wife. Ishtar, a lot easier to say than her actual name is, Samiramis, Samiramis, I don't even know if I'm saying her name right, Samiramis, but they they referred to her, that's Nimrod's wife. Now, it's interesting to Google this stuff because you can read eight different entries and get eight different answers, but they're not convinced exactly about who Samiratris was, but they think it was actually one of Cain's wives or Nimrod's mother who married him. Uh, they're pretty convinced it was Nimrod's wife and she had declared herself to be a goddess, the goddess of Ishtar. Now you know that word Ishtar don't you? you've heard that before we call it. do you know how they pronounce Ishtar? I, I I actually deliberately mispronounce her name actually because I never knew how to pronounce it but her now her name is pronounced Easter. That's how you say her name you know. she, she is claimed by some to have had a son who died. Others say no, that son was a son she's claimed by some to have, had a, this is, her, to have a son, S-O-N a child who died and was resurrected Others say no, she had the son, S-U-N which dies at the what is it, the winter solstice and the days start getting longer and he's resurrected in the early part of the winter uh, They celebrated that it at Babel, which became the Babylonian mystery religions. They celebrated that, that they burned a log on the solstice, the shortest day of the year, and they called that a Yule log. And when the days started getting longer, they would find a green tree and decorate it, and they would put it in their fireplace to celebrate the new year, uh, to celebrate the sun's resurrection to a new year. Now, you know, you recognize a lot of this in Christian Christianity, you know. um, I just want to see it. I'm not skipping anything that I wanted to share with you. Many of these pagan celebrations slipped into the Christian practice when Christianity became the legalized, the legal, universal religion of Rome. So rather than check out the theology of everybody in church they just let all that stuff come in and a lot of those pagan celebrations they did specifically to make the pagans feel at home in the in the newly found christian church and when rome made christianity the state religion now i'm going to read you some heresy so understand this is not the bible this is wikipedia you know okay Wikipedia is not the Bible, but I want you to hear what the world says about this. Easter. Ishtar, Ishtar. Like all Christian holidays and festivals, has its origins in the Assyrian religion. <coughs> Isn't that comforting to know? And the word comes from the name of the ancient Assyrian mother goddess Ishtar, who was also called Samaritriss. <coughs> Here comes the call. Ishtar is the female equal of Asher, and at times Ishtar and Asher are the same and equal in strength and length. So we know this. Yet their distinction remains to the extent that Asher is the sun, Bahara, and Ishtar the moon, <coughs> Easter, This lost world view of pagan religions and their impact on Christianity. Easter, you can can believe this is being taught in the schools. Easter is nothing more than Ishtar, (coughs) one of the titles of Beltis, the queen of heaven. And you ask yourself, this Easter, Ishtar, I'd, I'd rather not call her Easter, this Ishtar, is, it's I-S-H, that's why I say ish, thousands of years before Christ. And you ask yourself, why would Satan attempt millennia, thousands of years before Christ to spread a tainted but parallel truth in advance of the true event? Why is there all this confusion? And why is there all this similarity in pagan religions and what we believe? And and the answer is fairly simple. The first is, they're a lot alike because they had the same origin. Their origin stories have been perverted, but they all come from the same place. So you can go to the Inuits. In, in Alaska and find that they have a flood story and a creation story, and you'll find it, that there's barely any tribe or people on the world in the world that doesn't have some type of a parallel story. So that's the first answer. Why do we get these? The second thing is why would Satan go to this trouble? And it's the same reason that when we got ready to invade Normandy on June 6th, Prior to that, we sent out all types of information of other landing zones where the allies might land. The more static he can, Satan, that is, the more static he can put out, and the more confusion he can spread, the less likely we are to actually understand what he's doing. So don't be surprised as that static and that confusion gets spread. Stick close to your Bible and understand you can trust it, you know. Now the last thing I want to talk about, how's my time doing? The last thing I want to talk about is what does it take to get God to move in judgment against a nation? This this guy, Nimrod, had set himself up as a world dictator. He had already encompassed enough power that he could go north. I should have that map up again, I'm sorry. He he could go north and invade that would be his uncle's. I, I've got to get the family tree right. He had had the audacity to go north and invade his uncle's territory and, and create his own cities in their land. He, he had gotten to a point where he declared himself to be God, not particularly uncommon for world leaders to demand worship as God. And uh, he actually married a woman who declared herself to be God. So what does it take? At Babylon, we have the unity of people based on a common language and a desire to sin, a desire to do the opposite of what they knew God wanted them to do. That's the first thing. Secondly, you have a refusal to obey God's will in their own lives, to disperse. God told them to disperse, spread all over the earth, and fill up the earth again. You know, God wanted them to do that, not conquer not condense, not gather power or enslave people. They sought to develop a one-world government against the will of God, a dictatorship. That's the goal today, right now, in our world. The goal is to develop a one-world government with one governmental system, one monetary system, one rule of law, and I'm telling you, they're working hard to produce it. And we've got people in our government that are working at that a dictatorship of such remarkable size and power that Nimrod held absolute control over the life and death of people. You'll find that again when you get to Nebuchadnezzar and Alexander and the Roman Empire. You find this again and again. That's Satan's goal, not God's. They created and instituted a parallel religious system that operated in opposition to God. Don't think you can worship the Zodiac and God. They're in opposition to one another. Don't think you can get involved in these pagan beliefs and, and not violate the very scriptures that we claim to believe. You can't. These things are against everything that God has done. So what must people do to experience God's judgment? First, that we have to turn our backs on God's stated will for that society. And you ask yourself, are we there yet? My son used to ask me that all the time in the car. Are we there yet, Dad? Yep, we're there. We're now living in a society that's turned its back on God's stated will. Two, build a dictatorship dictatorship where men aren't free to serve God. We're not there yet, but we're getting close. Christianity is illegal in many countries of our world today. It's not quite there yet in this country, but they're working on it. Three, Establish a false religious system to pull people's hearts away from him. We're working on that too. We've got all kinds of things that can distract us from our trust in God. Four, set out to make a name for themselves. That's what it said Nimrod did. That's what uh, Nebuchadnezzar did. That's what Alexander the Great did. That's what the Caesars of Rome did. They set out to make a name for themselves. We do that all the time. We we raise families. We say we want our kids to go to a good college. want them to get a good job, make good money, have a good life. Where's God in that? Where's God in any of that? Nowhere to be found. And finally, promote and encourage sin rather than inhibit sin in the culture. Promote sin rather than inhibit it. I want to conclude by reading Romans chapter 1. If you're not familiar with this, please go home and read Romans chapter 1. Right from the beginning, But read it all the way through to the end. If you want to know where our culture is today, I think we're right there. I'm not going to read it through to the end. I probably should have. For the wrath of God, I, I hear preachers saying, there is no wrath of God. God doesn't get angry. I don't. I don't think that's scriptural. I think it says God gets angry. If You want to make God angry? This. This is what you do. Uh, the word wrath is is a word that describes a ripening tomato. Have you never watched a tomato waited for up here? You just wait for tomatoes to ripen. Down south, they kind of explode red, but up here, not, not quite so. They need a lot of moisture, a lot of food, and a lot of heat. So wrath can best be translated from the Greek word. Swelling indignation. For the swelling indignation of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Who suppress the truth. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. The world knows there is one God. They deny it. They resist it. They suppress the truth of God. But they know he is there. They know he's there. Nimrod knew what he was doing. Nebuchadnezzar knew what he was doing. You know, these world leaders know what they're doing. I'm not sure Joe knows what he's doing, but the guys around him do. All right. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. The creation is telling the story of God even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They will stand before God without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain, empty in their imaginations. They imagined nothing and made that nothing their God. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So this is a picture of God stepping away from that society. And there's, I don't remember how many steps, there's three or four steps. As God steps further and further away. So they turn their back on God and they suppress the truth. And God steps farther away and abandons them to moral depravity. And then they continue to persist in something here and God steps back. And in the end, in the end, they end up with insanity. They're incapable of knowing right from wrong, up from down, in from out. They've just lost all sense of right and wrong. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, to change the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. They knew what they were doing, but by the time they're done, they don't have a clue what's going on. Not a clue. They couldn't make a rational decision if they wanted to. And once you get that far down that hole, now read the rest of it. Read it all the way to the end of that chapter. Once you get all the way down to the end of that rabbit hole, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can break them out of that darkness. They are so entwined in the darkness of their own choices that they cannot perceive the truth. And only Jesus can break through those chains. And that's why we have to tell people the gospel. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this day and for this opportunity to gather. Thank you for your scriptures. Lord, please keep our country from going all the way to the end. Please, Lord, send us repentance. Allow us one last time to come back to you. We pray and ask you to forgive our country. We ask you to forgive us of the murder of the innocents. We ask you to forgive us of our promotion of evil in our country the immorality that we just pump out on every channel of every TV and radio station. Father, we ask that you would forgive us of our promotion of evil by enacting laws that are unjust. Father, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins of omission. In Jesus' name, amen.